Shalom and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com and our study of Sefer Dvarim. My name is Menachem Mittag. Today we continue our study of Parshat Nitzavim, class number 5 out of 6. Our shir today begins in chapter 30, verse 11, and will continue until chapter 30, verse 18. It divides into two sections, verses 11 through 14. And the second section, in verses 15 through 18, will show the connection between these concluding words of Moshe Rabbeinu and the story of Gan Eden, as we will explain later in our shiur. Before we begin our study of verses 11 through 14, it's important to note that there are two ways to understand this section. Either it's a continuation of what we read in yesterday's shiur of verses 1 through 10 in chapter 30, which talked about the possibility of tshuva, of returning to God even in exile, or it could be a standalone section, not referring to the topic of doing tshuva of the previous 10 verses, but rather it's a summary relating to the entire speech. And in our study of these verses, we will consider both possibilities. So let's begin in chapter 30, verse 11, Paraklam and Pasuk Ki ha-mitzvah hazot asher onochim mitzavcha hayom because this commandment that I'm commanding you today, lo nifleti mimcha lo rechokahi. It is not hidden from you, as Rashi and Ebenezer explain, and it is not far away from you. Niflet can also be understood as baffling or mysterious. Recall in Halal, we say, This redemption that God gave us is beyond our comprehension. What the first seems to be saying is that this commandment that I'm commanding you, it's not something that's not comprehensible. It's something you can't understand. And it's not far away from you, it's accessible. The question the commentators deal with, though, what mitzvah is Moshe Rabbeinu referring to that is accessible, even though people think it's not accessible? The simple meaning would be the commandments of Sefer Dvarim. Recall the beginning of the speech, where Moshe Rabbeinu said what's coming up are the mitzvah and the chukim and mishpatim. And in general, all the laws of Moshe's teaching can be considered a commandment. So is Moshe Rabbeinu referring to all the laws that is taught in Sefer Dvarim, and saying, don't think it's impossible to keep them. And he's telling the people and encouraging them, don't think keeping the Torah is impossible. It is indeed possible. Or is it referring to the previous section? That's going to be the opinion of Ramban and the Sforno, that this mitzvah is referring to the previous Tempsukim, the commandment to repent and do tshuva after you find yourself in exile. Ramban says, Aval ha-mitzvah zot ala tshuva ha-niskeret. This phrase, ha-mitzvah zot, in verse 11, is referring to the commandment to do tshuva that we saw earlier in the first two lines of chapter 11. And therefore, Rabban explains that even when you're in exile and in a faraway land, don't think that the return to God is impossible. No matter where you are, no matter how far away you are in exile, no matter how long your exile is, there's always a commandment to return to God and repent. And Sporno adds to this that there's actually a commandment to do tshuva, and therefore it's a very fitting section to read before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that when we find ourselves in exile or in punishment, or when someone recognizes he's done something wrong, we're commanded to do tshuva. And knowing that tshuva is possible is key to the beginning of the tshuva process. The worst thing that could happen in one's relationship with God is giving up hope and thinking we're a lost cause, either I myself as, as an individual, or we as a people. The other possible understanding would be 
that it's referring to the laws of Sefer Devarim or the laws of the Torah in general. And it's saying, don't think that all this Torah is impossible to keep. Don't give up before you even try starting. When someone wants to be dedicated and to keep Torah mitzvot, he needs to understand it's something that's possible to do. And therefore, it's also a type of encouragement not only to do tshuva, but also to perform the mitzvot and to understand that it's attainable. In Pasuk Yudbet, Moshe will continue to explain this idea. And according to Eben Ezra, Pasuk Yudbet, verse 12, is simply an explanation of verse 11. Lo bashomaymi. This mitzvah, this commandment to do tshuva, is not in the heavens. He says that is an explanation of what Lo Nifleti was referring to in verse 11. Lemor, mi lenu ha-shamayma, lanu, ota benasena. It's not up in the heaven to the point that a person should say, who can possibly go up to heaven and bring it down to us and teach it to us so that we can do it. And then Ebenezer explains that verse 13 is an explanation of the second phrase in verse 11 of lo rechokahi, that it's not far away, which means v'lo me'ever layamhi, it's not beyond the sea. Lemor, mi yavor lanu, el ever hayam v'kachel lanu, v'yashme'enu ota v'nasena. Saying that who can possibly go beyond the sea and bring it to us in order to teach it to us so that we will do it? And then the final conclusion in Pasuk Yedalit, verse 14, Ki karov elecha davar ma'od b'ficha uvel vavacha lasoto. This return to God, this tshuva, is very close to you. It's doable in your mouth and in your heart to observe it. That again is the explanation if this is referring to the possibility of repenting even when you're in exile, that the return to God is always a possibility, and yes, you can do it. If we go back to the other possibility, that is talking about keeping all the laws of the Torah and understanding them, then this is very similar to the beginning of the book where the people beg Moshe Rabbeinu to go up to the mountain to learn the Torah from God and teach it to them instead of hearing it from God. And Moshe, who has been their leader, who's explained to them the laws of the Torah, now that he's about to pass on, he may be afraid that the people will say, now that Moshe Rabbeinu is no longer with us, who can teach us the Torah? Who can be a Rebbe? Who can explain everything? How can we keep it anymore? So Moshe is saying, it's not Bashamaymi. You don't need Moshe Rabbeinu to keep the Torah. Now that the Torah is given, you can continue to keep it on your own. You don't need someone superhuman to be able to explain it to you and bring it down to you. In rabbinic literature, the phrase Loba Shamaimi is used, maybe not necessarily in this context, but in the general context, that when we study the Torah or try to interpret it, we don't need to go up to heaven to get the answer. God wants us to make our own decisions. And the concept behind that is, when we explain the Torah and interpret it and make what's called Sakhalacha, whatever decision the rabbis make down here on earth, when there's a group of rabbis like the Sanhedrin who are in charge of making those decisions, Whatever they decide, that's what we go by. And there are even cases in the Talmud they talk about where the rabbis make a decision and even if a voice from heaven comes and says the halacha is differently, we follow the rabbis because we have this principle of Loba Shemaimi, the Torah is not in heaven, God gave it to us to interpret, to explain, and to make the final decision for the people to follow. Now in verse 15, we have the final section of this last speech we find a beautiful analogy between the commandments of Sefer Dvarim and the story of Gan Eden. Pasik Tetvav, Re'eh, which means understand or pay attention. Natanti lefanecha hayom et ha'chayim 
ואת הטוב, ואת המוות ואת הרע. I'm giving before you today the choice of life and goodness or death and adversity. Now Moshe explains what this is referring to. Asher onochim etzadcha hayom, what is life and good? That which I'm commanding you today, la'ahava et Adonai Elohecha, la'lechet bidrochav, ולשמור מצוותיו וחוקותיו ומשפטיו, to love Hashem your God, to walk in His ways, we explained that was emulating God, doing justice and righteousness, and to keep His commandments, His statutes, and His laws, then the chayita v'ravita, if you keep these laws and abide by them, then you will stay alive and you will multiply. Uverachacha Adonai Elohecha ba'aretz asherata v'ashama l'rishta. And Hashem your God will give you a blessing on this land that you are now coming there to inherit. This section clearly is no longer referring to Parshat Tachuvah, even if we understand, as Ramban and Svarno did, that verses 11 and 14 are referring to the previous section about doing tshuva in exile. There's no doubt, though, that verses 15 through 18 now are talking about the laws of Sefer Devarim in general. And now Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining that by keeping these laws of Sefer Devarim, that will give you life and that will give you prosperity. And if you don't obey them, that will bring death and evil. As he explains now in verse 17 in Pasuk Yedzayin, If your heart turns away and you do not obey, and you're lured away and you bow down to other gods and you serve them instead, then Pasuk Yedzayin, verse 18, I'm telling you today already, you will surely be scattered and perish. You will not remain for many years on this land. That you are now about to pass over the Jordan to come there to inherit it. These are all concepts and ideas that we've already seen many times in Sefer Devarim. But in this presentation, in this closing section of Moshe Rabbeinu's final speech, we have an analogy to the Garden of Eden. In what manner? Remember in the Garden of Eden, there's the Eitz HaChayim, there's the Tree of Life, and there's also Eitz HaDad Tovorah. And here, in the opening sentence in verse 15, we have the concept of a choice between Tov and Ra, and Chaim and Mavet. Then in the next verse, in verse 16, we find a reference to the two main sections of the main speech. Recall the mitzvah section was chapters 6 through 11, and the chukim and mishpatim section was chapters 12 through 26. And that's exactly what we find in verse 12. That's the hamitzvah section, chapters 6 through 11. That's the chukim and mishpatim section, chapters 12 through 26. And then he continues to say, if you keep these commandments, you will stay alive and God will bless you. That's just like the positive side of the Tochacha if you keep God's laws. And then in verse 17, if you don't listen, then God will punish you and you will be sent away from your land. And that's just like the second part of the Tochacha, what will happen should you not listen to God's laws. So basically, verses 16, 17, and 18 are a summary of the entire book thus far in Sefer Dvarim. And now, in this final section, Moshe Rabbeinu was saying that, that keeping these laws is like Chaim and Tov, and not keeping them will bring Mavet and Ra. In fact, as we'll see in tomorrow's share, 
this good and bad is identified with the bracha and chala in the next verse, in verse 19. And then, keeping God's laws is bracha, which is chayim, and not keeping God's laws will bring chala, which now is equivalent to mavet, to death. But as I'm sure you remember from the story of the Garden of Eden, we have all these concepts in the story of how God made the garden. There was the eight Sachaim in the middle of the Gan, and the eight Sadat Tovarah also. Recall also that even though God said, when you eat from the eight Sadat, you will surely die, death did not mean physical death, but rather it was banishment from the Garden of Eden. And here also, in the Tochacha, should you not follow God's laws, the punishment will be exile. Just like in Canadian, when one doesn't listen to God, man is exiled. Here also, should the nation of Israel not listen to God, their punishment at the national level will be exile, in contrast to living in the land of Israel. If these parallels are intentional, and the assumption is that they are, then Moshe Rabbeinu is setting up a textual parallel that tells us that life in the land of Israel is similar to the concept of Gan Eden. In Gan Eden, God made a special environment where man's job was and man's job was to take care of the garden and to keep it and be God's servant. But in order to stay there, Adam had to do his job. But should he disobey God and not follow his laws, the result was he was exiled. And that's what will happen now to the people of Israel. And as we know, we find later on that God's presence is walking in the garden and encounters there Adam Rishon and challenges him when he found that he sinned. And in a similar manner, God's Shekhinah, God's divine presence, rests in the land of Israel and watches over our day-to-day life. But one of the other important themes we saw in Sefer Zvarim was the concept of the place that God will choose for his name and reputation to dwell or to be known. And in that place, will be the Beit HaMikdash, because that is the place that people go up to. That is where we go for Aliyah the Regal. That is where we go to meet God on a regular basis. And just like when man was sent away from Gan Eden, God put up Kruvim to guard any attempt to return to Gan Eden, as we saw in Sefer Breshit, in chapter 3, verse 24, putting up Kruvim to guard the way to Gan Eden, to guard the Derech Etzachayim, doesn't mean that it is an impossible return, but rather, only someone worthy can return. If no one was ever able to return to the Gan thematically, God should put up a wall. The fact that there's a guard, that means there's selective entry. And therefore, only people worthy can return to Gan Eden. But in the Beit HaMikdash, in B'makom HaShirif Har Hashem, the place where we go to meet God, at the center of the Beit HaMikdash, will be the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh Kodeshim, that have the Ten Commandments and the copy of the Torah, the Moshe has been teaching in Sefer Tvarim, What's guarding the return to Gan Eden, the Kruvim, are now guarding the Aron. And in that manner, it could be that we can now return to the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life, which was guarded by the Kruvim, is now being replaced by the Luchot Habrit and the Torah, which is now being guarded by the Kruvim, protecting the Aron Habrit. This is coming to tell you that if someone wants to return to Gan Eden and wants to have a life of connection to God, then the way to achieve that, the way to get past the Kruvim and return to Gan Eden, is by keeping the laws of the Torah that the Kruvim are guarding in the Beit HaMikdash. And also, as we saw earlier in chapter 11 in Sefer Tvarim, in Psukim, in verses 10 to 12, in regard to the rain in the land, 
the God watches over the land by giving it rain at the proper time, shall we keep the laws? Then we said, Tamid God's eyes, or God's providence, is watching over the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And he promises rain and prosperity should we keep the laws, as we explain every day when we say Shema. And recall as well in the introduction to the story of Gan Eden, Chumash told us that nothing was growing because two things were missing. We were missing man and we were missing Matar. And now in the land of Israel, we have man and we have Matar. And therefore, God's presence is centered in the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. That represents how we return to God by keeping the Torah. But once we keep the Torah, His presence can be felt in the entire land. This idea that the Torah represents the way to return to the Eitz HaChaim, to return to the environment of Gan Eden, may be what Mishle is referring to in the verse that we quote every time that we return the Torah to the Aron HaKodesh. And the song we sing, Eitz Chaim Hilam is actually a Pasuk in Mishle, in chapter 3, verse 18. There it says, in reference to Chochmah, which is referencing the Chochmah of the Torah, its ways are pleasant, and all its paths are those of peace. It is a tree of life for those who grab her, and whoever holds onto her is happy. So it could be that Moshe Rabbeinu concludes his speech, summarizing the key themes of Sefer Dvarim by comparing the land of Israel to Gan Eden. It could be almost the opposite that the reason why Chumash begins with the story of Gan Eden is in order to highlight for us the importance of keeping the laws of Sefer Tzvarim and the privilege of living in the land of Israel in the service of God. In tomorrow's show, we will see another example how these concluding lines of this final speech of Moshe Rabbeinu in Sefer Tzvarim relates also to the theme of Shemaim Ba'aretz and the topic of creation in chapter 1, as well as the parallel to the story of Gan Eden in chapter 2 and 3 of Sefer Breshit. So we will continue this study in our share tomorrow.